0: The first speaker that I get the amazing opportunity to bring up to the platform he is awesome he is powerful he's pretty good at basketball Um, he's an excellent guitar player as you've been seeing him over there on the electric guitar you know but he walks in such integrity and honesty and it's so cool whenever you talk to Ryan it's like you just can't help but just laugh you can't help but be encouraged And also, too, to hear his heartbeat, to see more people come along in their true identity. And it's been such an honor to run life with you, Ryan, here the past year, and we're just so thankful for you. But would you help me welcome to the stage the one, the only, Ryan Brodine, as he brings the first message today.
1: Thank you, Tim. Can you hear me? Man, I'm feeling all kinds of things today. I'm like, the worship was so powerful. And then I'm like reliving our wedding a year and a half ago sitting there. And then I'm a little nervous. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, what an amazing day so far. Wow. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church that we get to have experiences like that. And just get to, yeah, it's just just so amazing. Um, And I'm so thankful again for the opportunity to be up here. It's such an honor and a privilege to be on this stage, and I, I never take it lightly, and I'm always very prayerful about what God wants to share through me. And um, hopefully every time I'm up here, you get to see a little bit of what's going on in my life and what I'm processing, what I'm walk through, walking through, because there's been a lot, of, a lot of different changes that have happened over the last few years, a lot of growth that I've experienced, and it's been exciting to see what God has been doing. And so what I want to share about today Something I've been thinking a lot about, both Christy and I, is just the power of vision and the power of having vision for your future, vision for your life, vision for where you're going. And it's a it's kind of an interesting time to be talking about that because we're coming to the end of the year and it's the time when we're looking to next year, we're potentially setting goals, we're talking about what's next, we're doing all these things, getting excited, which is which is awesome. But there's also the reality that it's kind of like the, the gym syndrome. On January 1st, it's jam-packed, but then sometimes you get to March, it's about half full, and then June, about a fourth full. And, um, and sometimes we, as we go, we lose sight of our vision, of where we want to go. We lose sight of those plans that we have. And, and oftentimes at the root of that is we're believing a lie about ourselves, or we're believing a thought that maybe we're further away than we think. And it's something I've, I've worked through a lot, you know. I've had a lot of thoughts in my career where I thought, man, I can't focus very well in certain situations, so I naturally put a ceiling on where I can go, or I'm not good at this, or I'm not good at that. And I oftentimes find myself settling back into a place, and, and it's, not, it's not the way to look at it. And we sometimes let the enemy use those things, comparison, anxiety, whatever it is, to hold us back from the reality. And the reality is that with God, all things are possible. And so when we start to believe that, it breaks off those things, and we get to walk in the freedom knowing that the vision I have for my life is there, and those things can be cast aside and put away. And we read in the Proverbs, it says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. So if we don't hold on to the vision, it says we will perish. And uh, this is my... Fourth time up here, I think, and I, for as much as I love sports, I don't think I've used a sports analogy, so I'm going to use one now. Um, talking about vision, and I wish I had the privilege of, talk, privilege of talking about somebody from my team, but most of my teams that I cheer for are not very good. so, um, so uh, But if you, I like to watch football, and, and if you watch football, or if you don't, you've probably heard the name Tom Brady, whether you like him or not. And uh, he has won, I think, six or seven Super Bowls, probably the greatest quarterback of all time. And he's accomplished a lot over his career. But if you didn't know, when he went from college to the NFL, he really wasn't projected to be anything special. You can look up a video of him running a 40-yard dash, and he looks kind of like an old man chugging along. He... Um, had a lot of bad things said about him, and ultimately he was a six-round draft pick when he went to the NFL, which really, that's typically the career of like a backup quarterback. Maybe you get to play a few games, but um, usually not much is expected out of that career. But I was watching an interview with the owner of the Patriots, and he said the first day of practice, Tom Brady showed up and he walked straight up to the owner and he shook his hand he said, Mr. Kraft, my name's Tom Brady. And he replied, he said, yes, I know you're our sixth round draft pick. And, uh, and Brady looked him dead in the eye and he said it was one of the most intense focused stares he'd ever seen. And he said, Mr. Kraft, I'm the best decision your franchise has ever made. And um, a pretty bold statement to make when you're probably fighting to even make the team at that point. But my point with that is this, is that if you look at Tom Brady's career and where he was at the beginning and where he went, it becomes very evident and very clear that his vision was that he was going to be the best and there was nothing that's gonna stop him. And he didn't let go of that and he he held on to it. And he could have said, my goal is to make the team and be the backup and I'm gonna be the best backup I could be, that could have been his goal, right? But his goal was to be the best, and he held on to that. Everything he did along the way was going towards that goal, that vision. And I don't think he maybe realized it, but we read about in the Proverbs how death and life are in the power of the tongue. He was speaking life over himself from the beginning, and he spoke life along the way, and look what led him to that, right? So let's, let's I want to talk a, a little more practical on this, because most of us are not NFL athletes, um, I don't think. Maybe somebody is, but... Um, let's, let's say your vision, and this is a vision I have, a goal, is to be the greatest husband I can be. And if you're a husband, that should be your goal. That should be your, your vision, right? And we read in the scriptures, talking about husbands, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It later says... Each of you must love your wife as he loves himself. So those are two, two pretty powerful statements about a role as a husband, right? And what does that, what does that get to look like? Because we can say those things, but what does it mean on a practical level? And I'm, I'm speaking to you as well. I've, I've been married only a year and a half, but I, I continue to realize there's certain areas where I think I'm a pretty good husband, which is, which is good. But there's areas where I can be even better and I can keep getting better I can keep loving my wife as Christ loved the church so let's let's talk about a few practical examples guys on your drive to work how about you take out your phone send your wife a little voice memo that says babe I appreciate this so much about you what you did for me yesterday or how hard you work that can take 30 seconds right and yeah, I'm trying to continue doing it, but um, but over time, you go from maybe being not that encouraging a husband to over a year, even if you did that three or four times a week, you suddenly become the most encouraging husband out there, right? Yeah. Just by a 30-second action, or how about when you get home, and Whatever's going on at home, you, you go up to your wife, you say, Babe, what can I do that takes some stress off of you right now? I know you got a lot going on. What can I do? There might be one small thing you need to do, right? And the reality with that is oftentimes we, we believe lies that, Oh, I've, I'm just not that good of a husband, and being a good husband is so far away. But it's really not. You take those actions, and over time, you become the husband that, you, that you're called to be, right? Amen. And let's, let's talk about another example. Say, say you're in this church and you say, I want to be a leader in this church. I want, to be, I want to take a role. I want to lead a small group. I want to be on stage, whatever it is. Well, first off, I would tell you the good news is there's a lot of great leaders to learn from in this church. There's a lot of, a lot of wisdom in this church, a lot of guidance, a lot of people who are willing to pour into you. But first, it requires you to come in and submit yourself to the church under the the authority and learn and grow. And we we see that in the life of Jesus, right? All of his actions, you got to see who his character, what his character was. It was never, oh, I'm going to go do this to make a scene so everybody sees me, right? You see him perform miracles, and he says, don't tell anyone about this, you know? And over time, people saw his character. And it's the same thing in the church. When you come in, you want to be a leader? Well, start by serving. Start by submitting yourself, right? And on the flip side of that, I, I want to speak to the elders of the church and people who have long standing in the church. It's also your call to pour into the next generation. Because I can speak from my experience that we're not very good at asking for wisdom. We're not very good at seeking um, guidance, counsel, it's just, it's a real thing. We sometimes come in and we get what we want and get out, right? But this is your call as well to start, to continue pouring into us because we need it. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need your guidance. And we need to be called into the next phase with, with you guys' experience before us. And I was reading in First um, Peter, he's talking about the elders of the church. This is First Peter 5, and it says this, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over to people assigned to your care, but lead them by your good example. When the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. So I want that to just be a, a charge to those who are leaders or those who are walking walking before us. Show us what the vision was that you had that got to got you to where you are. Share that with people because that's the best way for people to learn. And I and I encourage I speak this over myself. I speak this over everyone in this room. Humble yourselves and also submit to the process. And at the right time, God will exalt you. And for some people, it may be quicker, but but when you humble yourself you you grow so much in character you get to experience things and and at the right time god will exalt you so and and congregation one last thing too i was thinking about this this morning actually um and you've got to experience this today just the love that you felt in the room that you got to experience and there's so much importance for us as a congregation to not only love people when they come in but love them along the way because it should be our goal when somebody new comes into the church that we get to surround them and see their, their full potential fulfilled within Valley Church and with the Holy Spirit's guidance. So that's my timer, and that's when I was closing. So, uh, yes, well, that's, that's what I got for you, and thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Good job, man. Good job. <laughs> oh uh yeah thank you commissioner Brodeen for bringing that excellent word what a, what a challenge right he spoke uh ryan spoke a couple weeks ago i think it was a couple weeks ago i don't know whenever it was at our last men's barbecue and he said a statement that has just its turned into my prayer it's i've been like sharing it with every young guy that i'm that i'm mentoring with and ryan was just talking about how his prayer has changed from like like it's been saying he's been saying basically like take the boy the boyish uh, things out of him and let him become the man that God has called him to be. And I went up to him afterwards and just encouraged him and told him, like, man, that is a statement that you could get tattooed on your chest. Like, like, you know, we wanna be the men that God has not actually, I'm just saying. Okay? I'm just saying. But it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, you get challenged every time. And as a man, I was sitting over there going like, oh Lord, conviction. Like, and my wife's in the, in the audience today and she's hearing this. So I'm gonna have to like text her tomorrow morning. So let's, let's, <laughs> what a great, what a great word though. I'm telling you for all of us to be encouraged, for all of us to be ready to take on what God has us to us next. Well, Ryan did something kind of funny when he said that not all of us are in the room, are athletic, are, you know, are athletes, but he looked at someone And I was like, wait, is he an athlete? And it's gonna introduce the next speaker because when you know this guy, um, he loves fantasy football. He loves to make people laugh. He loves to speak the word of God. He loves to declare over people. He's a bus driver by day, a man of God by night, an excellent father, I know he is, and an excellent husband, and apparently a pretty good cook, which yet to be determined, but we will figure that out. But I'm telling you, I love Travis so much. I love running life with him. So would you just help me welcome to the stage? Let's honor Travis even then as he brings the word to us next.
2: Oh, good morning, church.
0: Good morning. Woo!
2: Ah, what an amazing season we're in, isn't it? This is a beautiful season. Um I was thinking this morning about, uh, you know, like, what's my favorite season? And and they're all so good, but they're different, you know. And, and I think it's important to recognize the season we're in um, to acknowledge what God's doing in that season. Let me get set up here. Do you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, man. So I just know that um, we're all in this season together right now of really good things, you know, really good moments, uh, maybe holiday parties, activities, giving. This is a season of giving. And we saw that this morning. It was beautiful. It was beautiful this morning. It started to. It made me think about um, giving. It made me think about why, why do we give gifts? What um, what's the history of that? You know, what's the history of giving gifts? And um, you know, I have this thing I say that you know, before Google, we had a question about something and we would just wonder it. But now that we have Google, we just ask Google what what you know what it is, and then we have the answers. And so I googled like, what is the history of giving? And of course you know, there's a million different articles and the first one is um, you know, that, that winter giving is, is, comes from a tradition of a pagan culture and I thought, oh, that's kind of old hat, I don't, I've heard that story before um, and the next one was kind of interesting and it talked about how maybe cavemen gave gifts uh, and maybe they gave gifts of teeth and, you know, different <laughs> things they had scavenged and, you know, it just made me think of, you know, a cave woman with a a necklace full of teeth, and, you know, and she's telling her other cave woman, like, he went to Jared, you know, and, and Jared's standing in the corner with no teeth, like, you're welcome, you know? He's just, you know? And the last story I read was about um, chimpanzees, right? That, that it was that they had given gifts of food to attract mates, and I thought, you know, actually, I, I resemble that, you know? I remember... I can see how that would make sense for me, that, you know, you know that, it, <laughs> that my one move is like, do you want to go to dinner? <laughs> but we, church, we know, right? We know that when we give gifts, when we receive gifts, that there's something intangible about it. There's something, there's a joy about it that we feel when we receive something and if your love language is receiving gifts, it, so first of all, if you've ever read the love language, five love languages, raise your hand. Okay. Awesome. So you know about receiving gifts. If your love language is re- receiving gifts, raise your hand. Yeah. Awesome. So you're like, finally, a sermon about gifts. Like, we're, yeah. But there's something about it, right? There's something about giving and receiving gifts. There's something about, the way it makes us feel, and the intention behind it. And I would contend that in Scripture, it says that God is the giver of all good gifts. And I want to kind of break it down in James chapter 1 today, um, verse 17 and 18. But, but in the beginning, I, just, I was thinking about, God, you, you've given us so many good things. Even in the beginning where you just, you gave us the breath of life. You didn't have to. You weren't obligated to. It wasn't anything except for just the love of the Father. So in James we read, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. In the Amplified version, it says, The creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and he never changes. And it was of his own will that he gave us birth, as his children, by the word of truth, So that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a prime example of what he created to be set apart for himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. And I think in this verse, we see the nature of gift giving. And, you know, I was looking in the Greek, which I don't do very often because you can probably tell I'm not much of a Greek guy. But I was just interested in, you know, that word gift. Like, we use it in so many different ways in our culture. And, it, and in the Greek, it's the word dorema. And, and that word means to bestow or to present. And I started even thinking about how it sounds so much like, and it takes part of itself from the word, the rhema word. Rama, do Rama, and Rama word is that is that word of god that is present in this moment that is for this moment it is true about god but it is true about the moment we're in too and so as i just sat there i, I just started realizing like it's not the gift it's the action of the gift it's the intention of the gift it's the desire behind the gift and you've experienced this and just seen a glimpse of it when you give someone a gift and you wait and you're, you're attentive to them because you wanna see what it is, how, you know, how they're gonna respond to the thing that you've given them. When they realize that you remembered that small thing about them that they had told you maybe one time. And it's just thought, what a beautiful picture of how the Lord invites us into knowing him and his goodness. See, every good and perfect gift comes from him because he is good and perfect. And we experience this, you know, we experience this in our culture with our families and friends, and we get different moments, glimpses of this. But again, I would contend that each one of these moments... Is an opportunity to see God in it you know when I was growing up um, I was thinking back and my mom she just was such a gift in my life because she made really hard choices she made really hard choices but she did it because of how much she loved me and my brother and our family and when I think about the gift that she is and how she brought in my stepdad, Tad, into our family um, when I was 18, it, it, the, dyna- the dynamic of that you can imagine, right? Like um, I'd grown up without a father and now here's a, a father figure. And one Christmas, he, uh, he was doing Christmas with us and he gave me a shotgun. <laughs> And, you know, I'm a city kid from Portland, so I'm kind of like, uh, am I supposed to have this? Like, I thought I'd open someone else's present, you know? I just thought, I was like, am I supposed to tell somebody I have this now? I don't know. I'd never, I'd never had a gun. I'd never used a gun, like, and, and, you know. And he's like, no, this is for you. Like, it's for you. And it was because what he really wanted was for me to be able to experience something about him. Something that he loved, and he was going to use it to draw me in. And I'll say that, um, you know, over the years, I just have seen how they are such a gift to me and my family. And, you know, he, he's the only person I've ever called dad in my life. Um, what a blessing, you know, what a blessing. You know, and so when I look back at James and, and this portion of Scripture, these two verses, it's interesting because it's kind of just, it's right in the middle of the first chapter where right before it, there's all these exhortations about how we're supposed to build up our culture and of ourselves and our character, and right after it is the same thing. But it's almost like James is saying to us, like, listen, you're going to have to do this work that God's called you to, but I want you to realize that in that work, that the blessings and the goodness always comes from God. It always comes from God. So it's never striving, it's never from our own ability, it's always from Him. And so it's His nature, it's just how He is, and we get a chance to acknowledge it. We get a chance to just say, God is good all the time. You guys wanna say it? God is good all the time. Yes, amen. It's just this idea of being presented a good and perfect gift. One that we had no work in. One that invites us into relationship with the one who gave it to us. And I just, I just find that every moment I want to step back and I want to go, God, where are you in this? God, how does this draw me in to see the perfect gift that you gave me, which is the sacrifice of your son. So in this beautiful season, church, in every moment of joy we experience, let's always remember that God is in the good. Yeah, he's in the good. I just wanna bless each one of you today because this is a season of good things. And we get to see God in every one of them. Yeah. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Travis, for isn't it, I, I just love he comes up here and he just shares his heart every single time. And it's just so awesome. Thank you for that. Um, For this last speaker that we have for the day, he is a fiery prophet of God. Um, You have already heard from him once, um, today already. His name is Blake, Um, but I'm telling you, every single time he gets up here and speaks, it's like heaven falls, earth opens up, and just revelations fall out. But I know that it's just because of his his connection. You can see it, you can feel it, you can know it, that he's connected with the Father, and he's speaking from what God has already spoken into him. And he's just releasing it this morning. So would you help me welcome our last speaker? Would you stand to your feet? Let's give him an a honor as Blake brings the word for the last time.
3: Uh, so I chose to speak earlier. So as pastor said, uh, I, I ate into my time. So, uh, The beautiful thing, though, is that I was gonna, well, I'm still going to, but I'm gonna give you basically the teaser trailer of identity today. Um, And the beautiful thing is that I have not been, but uh, do as I say, not as I do, but I heard that VSSM uh, year one is all about laying the foundation of your identity, understanding who you are in Christ, because church, it is so vital That you understand who your father in heaven calls you to be and not who the world calls you to be. When you understand that your father has raised you up into heavenly places with Jesus. And that we sit with him and that we have the power and authority to go cast out devils, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick. Speak freedom to the oppressed, bring sight to blind eyes. When you understand that we have the victor of victors, the almighty king, the undefeated in our court, and he calls us his children, when you understand that, life should be easier. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to attack you, but that's why you need to know your identity so that you stand firm when the lies come at you. When you start believing things that are not true about yourself, when the world tries to deceive you and they tell you from a young age that you're not beautiful, that you're not special, that you're not smart. Here's one that I got in third grade that motivated the heck out of me. I remember being at a parent-teacher conference and sitting there in third grade and my teacher looked at my parents and she said, Blake's not going to amount to much. He's not very good at reading. He's not very good at many things. And I started having vision <laughs> dreams after that that I was like, I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to show her that that's not me. I'm going to prove her wrong. Because that's not who my father calls me. Because though the world may look at you and call you one thing, that's not what God says. And there's only one opinion that matters about you. There's only one opinion that matters. So who are you going to choose to partner with? Pastor Lynn preached about this a few weeks ago. Who do you choose to partner with? When you choose to believe the lies that the enemy speaks over you, when you choose to go against what God calls you to be, who do you think you're partnering with? Ooh, that's a hard word. Who do you think you're listening to and choosing to follow when you follow something that's outside of the will of God for your life? Choose this day whom you will serve. Make the decision. When you're faced, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just preaching myself right now. I don't know if this applies to anybody else. But when you're faced with a decision in life where it's like, in my case, my job ends at the end of the year. Okay? But I'm believing that that's what God called me into. I'm believing that there's going to be something greater. You know, and I'm, I'm applying to jobs. I'm looking for something new, something else. I get discouraged when I'm not getting callbacks or getting interviews or stuff like that. But who do I choose to listen to? Do I choose to listen to the author and the creator of my story? Or do I choose to listen to the doubt, lies and deceptions and the things that I'm speaking over myself or hearing? Who do I choose to partner with? Anyway, I could have gone on a while more. I only have three minutes. (laughs) Okay, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Now when Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea, Philippi. Caesarea, thank you. I'm not going to believe that lie about my teacher. I am good at reading. (laughs) He was asking his disciples, who... Do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, But who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon. Barjana. Barjana. Barjana, Because... Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and, also, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail over it, will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall also be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall also be loosed in heaven. You see... Peter, Simon, doubted. He was emotional. He was erratic at times. He even denied Jesus after this was spoken over him. But you see, God is outside of time. And he looks at who you were created to be. He doesn't look at who you were yesterday or today, but he looks at the entire life that he has written for you. And he says, you, you are someone that I will build my life, that I will build my church upon. You are someone that will be a stone, a rock, a steady person Even though you don't see it right now, even though that's not who you are today, that's who you will be because I'm your father and I've called you into that. And I have written your name in the book of life and you will build this church. So who do you choose to listen to? Do you choose to listen to yourself doubting today? The issues that you have today, the lies that you're speaking of yourself when you look in the mirror. Come on, someone. Someone needs to hear this. You're not that person. God has called you to more. And listen, I have no doubt that it is possible that it is. Sorry. I doubt that it is possible. It is impossible to live a life of mediocrity, to live a mediocre life when you walk in your identity of Christ. Amen. If you feel like your life is mediocre and meaningless right now, we're going to take care of that today. I want you to come forward at the end of this because God is restoring identity. Listen, the enemy is trying to steal your identity, but guess what? Here's something. He can't take it because that would put him on par with God. But guess what? He's trying to deceive you to give up your identity and who you are to him. It's your choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you choosing to walk in the identity of Christ or to give the keys of your life up to, to Satan? What are you going to do? Take the stand. That's my timer. Praise God. God. I'm just going to share one more verse. Actually, maybe two more. (laughs) I'm going to cut out a large section. But anyway, Ephesians 2, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has raised you up. Church, do you understand The authority that he has put inside of you. When you understand your identity, you can move mountains. Listen, I could stand up here and I could say, Why should I be speaking? I don't have the wisdom of Pastor Lynn. I don't have the authority to be up here. I don't have the knowledge of Scripture like Pastor Matthew. I can't walk in the power of healing like Pastor Dina. I'm not awesome like, awesome like Pastor Tim. <laughs> but guess what? I get to choose to listen to what God says about me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one other thing that. God stirred my heart and kind of turned my message a little sideways this morning. And I want to share this. Ephesians 2.17. And I feel like this is so appropriate just with the things that have happened today. He gave me this section this morning, but it says, and he came and preached peace to, peace to you who were away and peace to those who were near. Jesus' heart is for you, even for those who reject Him. Listen, Trevor preached about giving. God gave the ultimate gift. He gave His Son to die. That by the grace of God, He sent His only Son to die. Not just for those who are saved in this church. But for every single person, even those who choose not to serve him, he died for all of them because his heart is for every single person, that all would be saved. And listen, if you have been coming to church for a long time, or if you just came today, and if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to take care of that today. If you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've been living your relationship through your parents or through someone else, listen, a relationship means you and Jesus, not you through your mother or you through your father. If you need to take care of something today, if you need to know Jesus, if you want to make that decision today, please come forward. Come forward. We're going to take care of that today. If anyone in here, if that's anyone, please come forward. But also, if you need to get right in your identity and you need to break off some of that stuff, some of those lies, and get free today and understand who you are in Christ and who Christ calls you to be, come forward. God is restoring identity today and he is bringing identity today. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Can I have the prayer team come forward? And actually, Christy, is it possible if at least part of the worship team comes up and we sing uh, that last, last song you were singing, the Jesus, we love you? Is that possible? So again, if you need to give your life to Christ today, please come forward. One of these people would love to do that. And second, if you need to get right in your identity with Christ. If you've been believing lies or things that were spoken over you at a young age, things that are wrong and not what God says about you, let's get free of that today. So we can walk in the power, the character and integrity. Come on, let's get a vision for our lives. So yes, so I'm gonna turn it over. Pastor Tim, if you want to come up, i am just closing it out in worship.
0: Also, thank you. Wait, we're, we're not going to, we're not, we're going to do this a little different. I want, I want, this is a challenging message for, I think all of us, for all, every single one of us. And it may be like, well, I wasn't, I'm not really dealing with that or I'm not, but no, this is something for all of us. So would everybody come out of their seat and come on down? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then Blake's going to pray for us, but come on, let's crowd in the front. Let's crowd in the front. Our pastors are gonna start coming through the through them through praying. They're gonna come on, crowd in, crowd in. Come on, come on. We're all together. We're doing this as a family. We've been doing family all day. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna dedicate, we're gonna ignite together as a family. Come on, crowd in, crowd in. It's okay. I promise we don't bite. We don't bite. No. But the Holy Spirit's about to take over as we get ready to start singing. Come on, crowd in. Crowd in, you guys over here in the corners, crowd in, crowd in. Come on, there's room for everybody at this at this table. Come on, crowd in. I want you to just put your hands out and just just get ready to receive. Come on, it has been totally set up from Ryan, from challenging us that we are chosen, that we are children of God, that we are who we say we are because we know who He says we are. We're just repeating the words that we hear from our Father. Travis coming up and and having us realize that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father, and that's our identity in Him, because nothing and no one can take that away. When we're rooted in our identity, nothing and no one takes that away, and Blake coming up and just challenging every single one of us to be able to know that this is who we are, who God says we are. So I want you to keep your hands out, and Blake's going to pray over us, and then we're going to go into some ministry time. So Blake, pray for us.
3: Yes, Jesus, we thank you that you are the giver of all that is good. We thank you that you give vision and that you speak life over us. And Jesus, today, we say that we are going to turn away from the lies that the world has spoken over us and the things that people have proclaimed over us that you do not speak over us. We turn away from it. We cast it aside and we say, Jesus, We receive all that you have for us. We let you speak life over us. We let you speak who we are and who you say we are over us in Jesus' name. I just release identity right now in this house. I declare, God, that you would speak right now to specific people, that you would begin to speak over them. Listen, some of you believe that you can't hear God well enough to share a word that he has given you with someone listen God releases things over you he speaks to you and I believe that God is going to just release the prophetic in this house that people are going to hear God's voice and that they will know it's him and that the enemy's lies and anything that the enemy tries to spread will be known as counterfeit that we will know what is true and we will have discernment because we know who our father is and we know who we are in him so we do, we release discernment in this house we release knowing of who you are God and we break off the lies of the enemy right now in Jesus name and again prayer team can you raise your hands really quick If you need salvation, if you need to know Jesus, please find one of these people with their hands raised right now. Please do not wait another day.